This week on Overtime, we take a look at lust, the desires of our heart, the deceitfulness of our heart. This is one you don't want to miss. Make sure you like and subscribe. Let's get it. Welcome to Center City Overtime, a weekly podcast where we take a little more time to dive into Sunday's message. And we're here. This Kingdom Over Everything series is... um. It's not a light and fluffy series. <laughs> no, not at all. But it's been good. It's yeah, been, it uh, has been good. You know, again, the phrase that we've been using is tough messages are for people who are navigating tough seasons to find freedom. So <laughs> if it means we have to wrestle through this stuff, we wrestle through it together as a community. And that's kind of what I've been sensing has <laughs> been developing. You know, we talked quite a bit about anger two weeks ago. And I've had several conversations with people are are being challenged to maybe consider if parts of their lives are being motivated by anger and then how to bring that under the, um, you know, underneath the, the, the healing graces of God. And it's been, it's been really incredible. Yeah. Yeah. So this week we dove into, dived into, I don't actually know the appropriate English. Delved. <laughs> Let us know. Yeah, delved. We delved into the topic of lust. Yeah. And before we get into kind of the nitty gritty of this conversation, I wanted to take a minute and talk specifically to married couples in the Center City family, because a lot of this, what Jesus was talking about, really pertained to marriage. But some of it is so nuanced that we're not going to try to like dive into that in this podcast. But you have a marriage intensive coming up. Do you want to do like a quick plug? Yeah, so we have a marriage intensive coming up. Well (laughs) Well done. (laughs) We'll dive a little deeper. We'll delve. delve, We'll delve. delve. (laughs) We will have delved into uh, deeper issues of marriage uh, from a biblical perspective. Uh, It just seems like we're in a season right now where a lot of marriages are trying to figure some things out. So it gives us a chance to kind of refresh and refocus. Mm-hmm. And it's not just for people um, who are new in marriage, but for people who are, are not married yet, but they're walking down that road. Um, you know, so, you know, if you're engaged, um, for people who are married, for people who've been married for 20, 30 years, we're just trying to bring everybody into the room because so mm-hmm. much of learning is based off of mentorship. And um, we just feel like we get those couples in the right in the room together and we'll see how God kind of brings people together. I'm excited yeah, about it. Yeah. So I just, I wanted to get that not out of the way, but say it first, because I think in some ways I would almost be a little frustrated that it's like, yeah, but you're not like, you're just scratching the surface. So no, if you're on our email list, you'll get all of that information well before it starts. And that'll be Wednesday nights in June. Yeah. Um, so go ahead and mark your calendars. But um, knowing that you're going to kind of talk at that, about that more deeply, I wanted to jump almost three quarters of the way into where you were in the message where you talked about how we don't use the word lust anymore to talk about what the Bible would consider lust. And, um, and so I wanted to just kind of dive into other ways that we might express that and then back up and kind of address the fact that we all have problems with this. Yeah, I think um, in, in modern day culture, we've kind of moved away from, what we've done is we've attempted to, to kind of remove the stigma of lust, right? Mm-hmm. So it, it, it went from this thing that we kind of inherently as a culture almost shared an understanding of to now we've redefined it. So like it, it went from lust to like longing or, or appetite or we talk about often now you'll hear people define their lust almost as an identity. It's this thing that's in me. It's this mm-hmm. thing that I'm, I'm kind of slave to. And uh, because of that, it's allowed, you know, and, you know, Jesus speaks 
pretty openly about the dangers of lust. And Paul speaks about the dangers of lust. I mean, throughout scripture, we mm -hmm. see the dangers there. It's allowed lust to kind of settle into our, the heart of our culture and um, has driven us to this place of unhealth where we see a lot of toxicity now um, individually, but it's also kind of boiling over to now being a cultural issue that we're struggling mm -hmm. with. One of the things that you said on Sunday, I, I think you did, I listened twice, so I hope you did, the desires of our hearts, like a lot of times we almost clean it up that much so that it's hard for me still choosing to surrender and live in the kingdom every day to hear desire of my heart and not think that has to be a good thing. And yet you bring up this verse a lot and I don't know exactly where it comes from, yeah. but the heart is deceitful above all things. Yes. And that's, it's kind of a hard pill to swallow because it doesn't feel like my heart is deceitful. Yeah, so again, <clears throat> remember, um, even when we quote that passage, what we're speaking about is the carnal nature of humanity, our flesh, which mm -hmm. again, we redefine it and call it something else today, but at its core, Scripture is really critical to the flesh. Like Paul uses terminology to make, like almost to the point of, and again, he uses it in a metaphorical sense, but there's no, it's like, I die to myself daily. Like I crucify my flesh. Um, and the, the writings of scripture, when the heart is not set before the Lord, that's why it's so imperative that when we talk about the conversion experience, we're talking about dead things coming to life. Because before the Lord, everything about me was leading to death. Mm -hmm. After my relationship with the Lord, I've been brought into full life. Now, where people get a little confused is that when a life is totally surrendered to the Lord, and we see that resurrection process happen within us, then yes, the Lord begins to work through the nuances of our heart. And he begins to, you know, um, Paul says, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. So in turn, my heart belongs to mm -hmm. him. One of the hardest things that I, even in my prayer life, there are times where I feel like God's saying, what's the desire of your heart? Well, he's asking that because he knows my heart's been uh, uh, handed over to him, that he has mm -hmm. worked up the process of sanctification in me, that I've been, uh, you know, trying my hardest to live as righteously as possible, um, according to what I, what I understand of the word. Um, so then, yes, at that point, the heart is healthy. When the heart's not healthy, it's not trustworthy. And when it's not healthy and it's not trustworthy, it is dangerous and you have to be careful. So what does it look like to not give into that? I mean, I know we talk about like following this is slavery, but I, I don't think a lot of people feel like it's slavery, at least at first, because it feels like I'm doing what I want to do. Yeah, it's very similar to working out, um, which I have little to no experience with. But um, you know that when you choose to work out, even when you don't feel like it, the objective is at the end of it, you are moving towards a, a, a healthier place. Mm -hmm. um, I, I would say the same when it comes to our emotional life. Like even in those moments when we don't feel like it, when we do the things that are honoring to God, we are moving closer to a healthier place. Um, the hope is that it gets to a point that I talk to, you know, weirdos who would look me in the face and say, I love waking up and going to work out, right? And I know that that's a place that uh, is- Shout is out a, to all the weirdos. There you go. <laughs> um, which I love, I think it's great. And, and I hope one day, I long one day to be there also. But um, from a spiritual sense, then those things that 
uh, are a product of discipline mm -hmm. eventually become a product of second nature. It's just what you do when you love doing it. When you don't wake up and seek after the Lord in prayer or you miss a devotional time or you, you trip up and do something silly because there are moments where we're still going to trip up and do mm -hmm. something silly. It's not like our humanity is totally gone, right? Like we'll still have our moments. Um, our, our, our body and mind begin to, to navigate from this place where we are moved by the Spirit of God to make the corrections that are necessary and it becomes a lot easier. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't know if that answered your question. Yeah, it does. I, I mean, I just kind of wanted to talk around all of this. One of the things that came up a lot in the first service, which P.S., if you are part of our Center City family, it's awesome to go to both services because the message comes out a little bit different each Every time. time. <laughs> so I get to like double learn. It's great. <laughs> um, but you really talked about how we have been fed this lie that it is supposed to be easy yeah. and, um, and that it's not. And that Jesus said in this world, you will have trouble. And, um, you defined that differently than I had ever heard before. Do you remember what you said? Yeah, yeah. Because often when we think of trouble, we think of things that affect us from the outside. Mm -hmm. But no, you're warring with the thing that's inside, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's also a place where trouble and hardship happen. But like things that are worth doing are not easy. Yeah. Talk to talk to the to, to a boxer that you know that's actually has you know maybe you don't know a boxer, but if you talk to a boxer, you'll find that it's. It's never, oh, I'm super excited about spending the next six months in intense training where I'm going to be beating myself close to, you know, exhaustion every day in order to prepare for the fight. Like, not, not everything is supposed to be easy. And I think the moment we get over that hump that, you know, oh, this marriage isn't going to work because it just shouldn't be this hard. Who said that? Mm -hmm. Like, did somebody promise you that it was going to be not hard, right? Like uh, parenting, like there's times where, you know, you want to tap out of parenting because it's not second nature. It's not easy. Well, you know, your parents probably didn't have an easy time either. Like they're My just, parents had a very easy time. Uh, I don't know. I've talked to them a couple of times. Uh, they sit right behind me every Sunday and they're still recovering. Um, yeah. Yeah. Talk to them about 12 year old Ashley and they shake a little bit, but um yeah, I think, I think we have been sold this bill of goods that the objective of life is to just find the thing that's really easy. And, you know, that's why we've hyper, um, we've hyper glorified things like retirement. Like, and I'm not, I'm not against retirement, like retire when you need to retire. But when you have 15 year olds talking about, I can't wait to retire. <laughs> it's like, it, it's, there's this point here where we have to remember, um, that hardship is what that that those trials according like Paul embraced the mm -hmm. idea of trial like Paul was quick to say that it's those trials that build me that strengthen me that that set my resolve so if life is about pursuing the easy things we will only end up doing things that don't really matter mm -hmm. i feel like the root of all of this is you have to be in love with the king because so much of our goal like it just seems to me like we're trying to look at the bigger picture of not what do I feel like I want to do in this moment, but who do I want to become? And when you're in love with Jesus and you see how good he is and how trustworthy he is, that becomes the like, okay, well, if I want to be like Jesus, then even if I don't feel like getting out of bed at 530 to spend time in prayer and the word before I go to work, I'm going to do that because I know on the other end, it's going to bring me closer to him and I'm going to look more like him. Would you say that that's a fair? Yeah, I think love's important. Unfortunately, we've just butchered that word. Mm -hmm. So you can be in love with somebody 
but not necessarily committed. And that's mm -hmm. completely backwards from a true sense of what love is, right? That's half of what this passage speaks about is this idea that lust wars against commitment. So I would say that, yes, you have to be in love with the king, but that love should mean that you're also surrendered to the king. Mm -hmm. When I'm surrendered, I don't, I'm not making decisions. Right. When I'm surrendered, I, I am being told, you know, again, when you read through the scripture, you find these challenging passages. So when I was young, I did what I wanted to do. I, I dressed how I wanted to dress, but now that I've matured, now that I've gotten older, I lift my hands to heaven. You take me where you want me to go. You clothe me as you wish. That seems opposite, right? Like you would think the older I get, the more I can do things on my own. No, no, what the writer wants you to know is that surrender means that as I maturate, as I become more mature in the faith, it means that I get to choose less. Does that mm -hmm. make sense? It does. It's this idea. So that's why I'm, I'm... It doesn't sound fun. It doesn't. But it makes sense. It doesn't sound fun because we have... We have this wrong, the wrong sense of control. It doesn't sound fun because we think we can figure it out. You can't. You can't. And I love you. And I don't know who you are, who's watching this. And I'm sorry because I feel like I'm preaching at a person that I don't even know. But just hear my heart when I say this. I, I'm not telling you, look, you can try. It's fine. But what we learn is at the end of who we are, there is only pain. There is only death. That is biblical. There's nowhere else to push it. I've seen it in the life, not just in scripture, I've seen it in the life of the people around me. I mean, how many times do you see people, we, we even have a phrase, when you get to the end of yourself, because there is an end. The idea that I'm not willing to submit and surrender to God because it's hard, just flies in the face that if you don't submit and surrender to him, it's not a good option either. Mm -hmm. the, the submission and surrender to God means that I'm entrusting the creator of the universe to dictate and direct where I go, where I move, how I, you know, that, that my life is his now. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Um, yeah, I've, I've heard it said that, that that means that I become captive to the directives of the word of God. So how do you start? Um, you know, again, uh, the passage is really clear. Cut it off, right? So what are those things that you know are dishonoring to the Lord? I, I think you have to start from a place. And, and, and so we talk a lot about behavior, but all, often what the scripture is talking about is less about behavior and more about who we are as people, right? Anger is an emotion. Lust is an emotion. The law said, you know, you shouldn't, um, you shouldn't commit adultery. The law said that you shouldn't kill. But what Jesus brings reference to is what's happening on the mm -hmm. inside. So where we should start, according to what the scripture says, is we should start by cutting off those things that we're doing that we know is dishonoring to God. But then we have to do the work on the inside. And what that requires is um, time in the word. It requires time in prayer. And I'm going to tell you, um, we, we firmly believe this here at Center City. It requires time in good, strong community. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, scripture is really clear that when we confess one to another, healing begins. And we know a lot of believers who come to the altar and get saved, but they're not willing to do the work that's necessary for them to receive healing because according to scripture, that healing for the inside often happens within the context of community. So yeah, find some people of the faith and get around. Um, examine the word together, ask the good questions, and then subject yourself to what the word of God 
prescribes for you. And that's where the accountability becomes critical because uh, you need people who are willing to call you up on the phone and say, stop being stupid. You know, mm-hmm. we don't like that word, but it, it's true <laughs> even in my, my life. Like I need, I need friends who are willing to look me in the face regardless of what I've done, regardless of who I am, regardless of, of titles and positions. I need people who can look me in the face and say, that needs to end. This isn't honoring the God. Let's, let's walk you through this journey. Yeah, well, so it's a lot to process, but it's a really good place to start. And um, I love you ended the message with the story of a woman caught in adultery. And, um, and I wasn't going to dive into that. I have no idea where we are on time, honestly. But I think it can feel overwhelming to get to a point to realize, like, man, there is a lot of just sin inside of me. And this feels like a big step. But Jesus, when he was with a woman caught in that, he showed grace and truth. He told her to go. He didn't condemn her, just like he doesn't condemn you. But he also told her to sin no more. So there's this idea of you're not condemned, but you're also not off the hook, so to speak, of like, don't go back to those old patterns. Yeah, I I think what Jesus was communicating then and communicates even now to us through a scripture is if you step back into the same activities— you're gonna come back to the same place. Mm -hmm. So go, he commutes her sentence, which is just this incredible picture of grace. But then he in turn tells her, hey, by the way, if you do what you have been doing, you're going to end up right back here. So go, but sin no more. Like Mm -hmm. cut those things off that have kept you from the life that he's called you to. And that's that's why we we quote this passage often. This is a big part of who Mm -hmm. we are, but that he came that we would have life and have it to the fullest. There is an mm-hmm. optimal way of living life that Jesus has prepared for us, but it requires that we are disciplined to follow after his commands. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to keep going in this Kingdom Over Everything series. Yes. Do you know where we're going next? Oh, I can't man, remember what can't. next week is. <laughs> I have an idea, but I, I, it's going to be good. <laughs> It'll be great. So we'll see you Sunday morning, 9 and 11, right here or on YouTube and Facebook.